Things like social distancing, which we never heard of before, has become a commonly used phrase. We're now getting used to wearing masks. We're now used to the impacts with social gatherings. And sometimes this has been good with birthdays when you don't want to invite someone. You know, it's even helped us to tell the time in some ways. So in New South Wales, we know it's 11am when the Premier is giving her update. Has the impacts been all bad or good? Well, today we have representatives from different parts of the community, from different lines of work, and we want to see about their thoughts, how it's impacted their lives, their home, their workplace, their kids, all those kind of things. So today we're looking at COVID. How does it affect us as human beings? Did anyone catch the numbers for today? 460-something. Wow. Wow, we smashed the 400 barrier. Yeah. Yeah, um, but there was only 68 active in the community. Well, that is, that is very good, actually. Down to, yeah, they've got to get that number down. As soon as they get that down, the other one will start falling in seven days afterwards. Nice. Yeah. Who'd want to be a pathology tester in the sewage treatment plants? That sounds like <laughs> the worst job of COVID. Who'd want to be the chief <laughs> medical officer or the premier? Oh, God. They do in Japan. That's their standard test. It's a rectal swab. Look You're out. kidding. What? Uh, no way. Oh, book me in. Thought someone would like it. <laughs> so, Mr. Safety, up to help me out, community transmissions versus the other type of transmissions. How do you make the difference really super clear? Community transmissions is somebody that hasn't been in isolation. So, if it's a family member has it, you're a close contact or you're a close contact, you should be isolating um, for 14 days. And that's a, then a quarantine transmission? Um, so, yeah, the, the people that are uh, in the community have not really followed the rules. They're outside their five kilometres and while they're positive or potentially being positive because your symptoms don't show for about seven days after you get contaminated mm -hmm. or catch the mm -hmm. virus. So where I'm working, we get staff are meant to get swabbed every day. Uh, it's a saliva test. Um, mm -hmm. And that will show that you've come into contact with it. Um, it's a, not as accurate as the nasal down your throat one. Um, scratch your brain. Uh, but if you test positive on your daily saliva swab, you will then have to have a um, full-on test. And uh, that will give you an idea. But as soon as you test positive, you've got to isolate and limit your contact with everybody else. Wow. It's a different world, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, it is. Yeah, and then if you look at the numbers, if you go back over the last few weeks, if you look at the numbers of people free in the community, it's never below 50. It's at least 50, sometimes up to 70. And yeah. it's until we get those people in one place and not in the community, nothing's going to change. I think a desert island and uh, we don't vote them off. 
<laughs> yeah. I think nature votes them out. <laughs> I think um, China had the right idea uh, last year where they were actually welding them into their houses or in their apartments, sealing wow. up their doors. Gosh. Stop them getting out and around. It's rather medieval, though. Yeah. yeah. If people stopped moving around and interacting with people, um, that would stop a lot of the transmission. Until people sort of stop and stay, um, it's unfortunately not going to start coming down. How much uh, say did you have in your name of Mr. Safety? <laughs> Pretty well since I've uh, worked in safety. That's what quite a few people have called me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't come up with that. But it sounds like you wear it proudly. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you got to take it. Um, you can't take be too thin-skinned. Yeah. And, and the goal at the end of the day is get everybody home safe. That's right. It's not a bad nickname to have in the line of work you have. Yeah, I just keep telling everybody I'm the Homer Simpson of the workforce. Because <laughs> he was a safety person. At the... Yeah, but he just hit the button. You do more than hit the button. <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't the uh, analogy that I was looking for. You know, I was trying to work out how Homer Simpson works on that one. Because yeah. didn't he cause almost a meltdown in one episode? Yeah, Several. They, yeah they referred to him. Point. He is the safety person for the um, <clears throat> reactor, but... He causes 98% of all the incidents. My name is Bob. I've been for the last eight years, I've been involved in pool maintenance. It sounds like a very um, promising career, Rob. I may look at that myself. At that's, how I, that's, how, that's how I knew Eddie. We've been impacted uh, quite uh, severely, especially in the area where I am, which is Quakers Hill. Um, and that's one of the areas that is considered as an as a area of concern. The instructions have been imposed. I've been able to speak to different officials. It looks like that I'm able to go out on the road following the protocol, obviously. Has it really impacted on your business? Well, look, most of my clients are in the West Pennant Hills area, and that's probably about 90%. Mm-hmm. My governmental representative, which is a, which is a association called SPASA, They've indicated to us initially that we cannot get out of the area. I've called a um, local police station and they've transferred me to a national hotline um, uh, for COVID. And I've indicated what I'm involved in. And I looked at their one of the clauses of essential workers, which is uh, other services. And in that, it stipulates that pool service guys can maintain public and recreational spaces. And I've wanted a definition of what recreational spaces is. And the, the gentleman on the other end, he said that it means uh, outdoor swimming pool. So I asked him, he goes, considering that I'm in the area of concern, am I able to go out and service my pools in my area? And according to him, I'm able to do it just as long as there are not more than five people outside in the area. So yeah. that, that's, that's given me good news because I was under the impression that I'm not allowed to move more than five kilometers. But the guy down the road who's a, who's a courier, he's able to go out everywhere around, around Sydney, no? That pool maintenance it could actually fall under safety, so you would be allowed to do it because... Uh, bacteria and uh, algal growth in the pools would cause a health issue. So 
technically you'd be able, that's why you're allowed to go and uh, service and maintain those pools. Yeah, yeah, we have to uh, maintain pools to a certain standard um, and in line with New yeah. South Wales um, health. Health. So the yabbies yeah. off a trout. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's exactly well, right. Surprisingly, yeah. some, some of the wildlife that. we find in pools is quite amazing. So I own a hairdressing salon in Newtown, have done mm -hmm. for the past 18 years. And if you take yourself back to March last year when we had the national lockdown, when um, Scott Morrison went through the list of businesses that needed to, to close, hairdressing wasn't on that list that needed to close. We could still operate. And which as an industry, we found that just ludicrous because you cannot social distance when you're giving someone a haircut. And certainly there's no social distancing. There was no mandatory sort of mask wearing. We weren't wearing masks then. Then 24 hours later, he flipped on that and said, you can still get a haircut, but it can only be half an hour. You can only be in the salon for half an hour, which is fine if you're a middle-aged man who's half balding can get a quick haircut, but that's not the type of service. You know, some of our clients are in the salon three to four hours, you know, we're high-end salon. And so as an industry, we really, I suppose, jumped up and down and just tried to get anyone who would listen, you know, our reasoning and what we found out from that was that they based that information. If you remember back in the early 90s when we went through the recession, you may have heard of a, a term called the lipstick economy. Yes. And, mm -hmm. and that is based around, you know, during times of recession, women and men will still spend money on beauty <clears throat> items, lipsticks, you know, self-care, grooming. And so that industry actually rose during the economy. Of course, there was no, you know, health issues. It was just a, a, a money recession. And so they sort of based that that decision around, you know, people still needing sort of self-care and, you know, it's a feel-good factor. But our question was, what about us as the worker? You know, we still have to come home to our families. We still have to, you know, keep our staff safe. We have the duty of care with that. So a lot of salons Australia-wide didn't close and they continued to, to operate. Now I'm part of a franchise group and we closed. We closed for six weeks. And a lot of the salons here in Sydney and the other major capital cities did close because we felt it was the right thing to do at the time because we, we understood the magnitude of it. Little did we know what was yet to come, but you know, we closed and then we opened up six weeks later. And even then we didn't have to wear masks. The mask didn't really come in till sort of later in the year. But we've been wearing masks on and off, I think several times. We Earlier in this year, we had to wear them for about six weeks. Now, of course, at Christmas time, when we had the Avalon outbreak here in Sydney, three hair salons were involved in, they were exposure sites. And one of the salons was a very major, well-known salon in the city. And there's nothing busier than a hairdressing salon the week before Christmas, let me tell you that. And so all of these people had to go into 14-day isolation. And so it, you know, put a lot of people's Christmas out, as it did everyone. 
but it sort of proved the point that a hairdressing salon could be a super spreading event because they are busy, busy places with no social distancing. And most of the people that actually caused this outbreak were actually staff. And so, you know, a hairdressing salon is, it's a, it's an area of concern as far as I'm concerned, because you cannot social distance. You cannot, um, you are so close to somebody that you, even though you're talking, you could still be wearing a mask. There is that close contact. You're also using a hairdryer, which if there is the tiniest little bit of COVID around, it's going to get spread around everywhere. So I feel like there's, you know, there's chatter that we're going to be open one of the first industries to open. I really think we should be one of the last industries to open. Now, of course, that doesn't help me as a business owner. I have overheads. I have mm. the worst landlord in the world, um, uh, you know, and I have staff. So how does that work? Certainly, you know, everyone is desperate for a haircut. I get at least three messages a day on my private phone from clients on our Facebook, on our Instagram, our salon phone rings at least 15 times every day. I have it home with me. I have messages, people going, oh, just a quick haircut, just a quick haircut. And it's like, don't you understand? Like we all, you know, can't get haircuts. Some of us, Eddie. Um, so it's, it's a really tricky sort of situation and how I stand with my own personal safety, the personal safety of my staff, my duty of care to them as well. Um, but I also, you know, we have to do the right thing. And the right thing is just making sure that, I don't know, everyone's vaccinated. Remember that back in 2019, we were looking at bushfires. That's where the government's focus was when this started. At the beginning of 2020, um, they were saying that as long as you wear a face mask, well, you're close to somebody, you're you're safe. It didn't live on surfaces and all that. We now know that it lives for weeks on um, different surfaces like stainless steel, four hours on copper, which is usually a really good surface to kill bacteria. Um, yeah, we're, we're still learning how the virus behaves and what what we need to do to compromise or kill it or to stop it from spreading. And the government's on the fly all the time and they still haven't got on top of it and know how it's going to do. Big businesses didn't have a plan for um, this sort of contagion. Yeah, they had swine flu and bird flu and all that, but it never had the same devastating effect as what we've currently got, where we've had to lock down whole businesses. Uh, and that's, uh, there's been a lot of catch up in the last 18 months. We're starting to, to start head towards uh, getting on the front foot and getting in front of it, but there's still a lot of unknowns and it's changing so quickly that we can't absolutely what it's, going to, what it's going to happen so yep yep from word go as soon as they said we've got a vaccine that we're going to release the government's tried to do the right thing and given it to the elderly people because that's who it was attacking back the first strain now it's attacking anybody but you only had a limited amount of vaccine it took eight months 12 months for the manufacturers to ramp up to full production of these virus or the, the vaccinations, and they still haven't really got to 100% uh, capacity of producing this vaccine. So it's taken a while. The government couldn't just let everybody get it. Uh, the media keeps going, oh, but why were they vaccinated? Well, because we didn't have the vaccines to do it. Certain people were given limits so they could do the vaccine, well, get in and get it. 
Um, most chose to, some didn't. Um, we should have targeted things like aged care and right from the word go, they should have been getting it as part of their, when the elderly people got it. Yeah, the media did a pretty good job on AstraZeneca too, um, raising yeah. everyone's fears about that. When yeah, in reality, was... there's just as many cases with um, with Pfizer as far as some heart enlargement. Yeah. Uh, I was well, talking. I think to... the media was driving its own. Um, yeah, yeah, very storm. Much. And one day they would be for it, the next day they'll be against it, and they'll just trying to drive the news cycle and keep it keep themselves relevant in the system instead of right. Let's get on board with the, everybody. The New South Wales opposition and the government have done a fantastic job. The opposition hasn't attacked the government as such on their um, how they're trying to handle this current outbreak. And they've been supporting them and trying to, to help them along. Yes, we've had troubles with uh, financial support of the f different uh, people and what have you. But as a whole, getting the vaccine out there and trying to contain it, they haven't really come out and said the government's doing anything wrong because it's probably something that they would have to do as well if they're in power. Mr. Safety, I thought there was an excellent point that you made how we're learning about this as we go along. It's just so new. And then there's different strains. And then, like, how long does it last on surfaces? Who can it spread to? What happens? Like, there wasn't exactly a rule book before on this one. Like, as it's our knowledge on this is continually growing. And the criticisms that I've seen sometimes of like state governments and federal governments' reaction is it's like they, knew 100% what they were dealing with. And it's often like a work in progress, what they're finding out. And I'm really glad that you made that point because we'll probably know a hell of a lot more in another six weeks. You also have to remember that the nature of a virus is to replicate and survive. I mean, it doesn't live yeah. per se, but it needs to replicate in order to spread. That yeah. um, if we start hitting it with vaccines and things like we are, it's going to replicate around that and mutate. And so the vaccines, these ones will only be effective for a certain amount of time. Then they will have to tweak the vaccines to deal with the variants of COVID that come about. Oh, it's, it's mutating already. We've yeah. seen exactly. It. But uh, the, the government can only go on what they've experienced before and what Absolutely. viruses we've had. A good example would be the Spanish, Spanish flu. When that came out and the first wave wasn't too fatal, the second wave that hit about six months later, that was a very um, strong was... and it killed more people in the world than the First World War did. Yeah. And mm. it wiped, just about wiped out a lot of the population. But for that virus to survive, it can't kill its host and it can't kill it quickly. So it died out pretty quickly to one that... Uh, didn't necessarily kill its host and it lived a lot longer. So its own survival come about. And the Spanish flu, I've been told, is actually still active in the community, but it's just like a cold now. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The same thing. And Corona will probably do the same thing in time. Um, hopefully we've only got a couple more years at the most of this killing people and having to isolate. But in time, we will get on top of it and our bodies will build some natural immunity to it and the virus will mutate to just you know, make people sick so it can live, but it doesn't want to kill its host. Because mm. um, if it kills its host, it kills itself. It kills itself. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's um, not all bad. I mean, some of the people you get to isolate from, there's some dickheads out there I don't really want to spend time with. So I'm, yeah, I'm but glad. Unfortunately, when you take the face mask off, you've got to remember stop mouthing off it, calling them this and that under yeah. the face mask. Yeah. 
uh, when I had my 50th last year, it solved a few problems. Of <laughs> <laughs> who I could and could not invite. Yes. It's not those top awkward five. situations straight away. But top you invited the important people. So what about these faces? I've been told if it's got a blow-off valve or if it leaks out the side, it's absolutely useless for Delta. We actually need two-way right. filters with no escape valve. It needs to filter in and filter out. Really? Well, your face masks are only protecting others from you. Mm. They're not protecting you from others. So that's why everybody's got to wear it. Uh, if you're wearing a valve on it, it actually allows the virus to leave. So... But if it's mask. on the breath and in the breath and the, you know, when you're out on the cold winter's morning and your breath is showing up as vapour and fogging your glasses, that's laden with Delta, I'm told. Yeah. What yeah. Soup. And it's trying to stop it from uh, spraying straight ahead and disperse it up or okay. sideways. But that's why it's important right. to have your face mask fit properly and um, crimp it across your nose. Um, I was lucky enough to go into a contagions um PPE training with New South Wales Health and they were showing us how to don on all the gear that you need to wear in a close contact situation. Um, luckily, I only have to ever wear masks and gloves, but just getting that mask on correctly and not touching it all the time is a big um, thing. If you can get that on and over your nose, these people that are stopping their chins from catching Delta is unbelievable. It doesn't work that way. You've got to have it <laughs> over your nose and ears. Over your mouth, yeah. And um, some people twist the uh, cord so to make it fit better but that will crimp it on the sides and that's where it escapes so if it's too big for them they have to should be tying the knot behind their ear and so how many weeks point, do we get to keep our little paper blue mask for four hours <laughs> really four I've hours. Had mine for four about hours. two weeks it smells yeah. after a week there was um a guy in where near one of the guys i see at work and he was using the same mask for a months the same paper blue mask for it's months. like like oh. any filter like a pool filter you've got to clean it out or it gets clogged after a while and it's about four hours that'll stay um good and then you should be swapping it out um with another one uh paper ones they'll become soggy if you're doing a lot of exercise or sweating and all that and they can become uncomfortable uh some places now um you cannot wear the cloth ones in uh you've wow. got to wear the paper oh, ones wow I didn't know that. Yeah. I did um, not know that. Yeah, so the I have an allergy to the, the blue one. An allergy? Yeah. Yeah, there's a grey yeah. one as well. It's better. Blue is not your colour. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, I just wanted to say that when I put the blue one in, I don't know what it is. It's just get very itchy and took it off the other day and my wife says, your face is totally red. Well, has something happened to, to you? And um, yeah, it was just so I, I have a cotton one. When I went and got vaccinated, there was... I was, they didn't say anything about Eddie's lovely wife stuck a needle in me. I don't have a lovely wife. <laughs> you certainly do, don't lie. I tell you what, she gets so annoyed if we go out somewhere and someone's not wearing the mask properly. Oh, um, if you see it, people walk around with their noses hanging out and everything, and she, you know what she's like, she will just, hey, put that mask on properly. <laughs> I'm just watching the news broadcasts and the reporters, not all of them have them on properly. Yeah. And yeah, you can see it's not crimped around their nose and just frustrating. And it's not doing any good to anybody. It's not protecting you or I anybody saw, else. I saw Brett Hazard the other day before the uh, conference was finished at 11 o'clock. He just took it off and uh, 
um, yeah, he sort of walked off and the camera was still rolling and that's not a good sign, is it? Oops. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's all about perception, isn't it? Um, it is. Very much so. Yeah. Very frustrating when you see all mm. those people out protesting. I mean, I, you, you defend their, their right to protest. I mean, they have the right to protest, but don't do it in the of a pandemic out in a crowd without masks and don't where punch horses. Yeah. I'll and start. where it's proven to, we know how the virus is transmitted. You are clearly transmitting virus if it's there. And we have to assume it's there. So just don't. But there's so many people that believe the virus doesn't exist. And oh. you know, that mm. guy up at Boron Bay, uh, yeah. I hope they throw him in the, the slammer for it. Yeah, that's just ridiculous endangering other people they're so thinking that they're entitled to do whatever they want sometimes you've got to, it, the better of all you've got to just step back and uh yeah follow. But the, yeah the protesters crazy kind of i don't know irony of it let's protest against the lockdown by doing an event that will probably mean that lockdown will last longer yeah. oh absolutely and, and isn't and it strange that now of it, yeah over two weeks later, look at the numbers we're getting now. 466 today alone. Wow. Yeah, and that could be really contributed back to that protest. Absolutely. Mm. And it was only like two or three days ago it was it finally got over 400. Um, 300, I think. 300, yeah, yeah. 300. Yeah. It was only two weeks ago that the numbers were only like 100. Yeah. And at the good yeah. old days. And it, it's yeah. good old days, yes. <laughs> it's surprising what can happen in a very short period of time. Since the recording of that audio, obviously, if you're watching the news, the numbers are over 1,000. But uh, we hadn't stopped talking about our conversation. In fact, uh, we started talking about the difficulties of learning from home with the kids and also like those living in rural areas as well. So I encourage you to... Uh, listen in to part two of the COVID episode. I'll see you later, listener. <laughs>